Updog fella. Look good, feel good, play good. We got some new Adidas golf swag coming the fella's way. I don't know if any new golf swag would help your game, but, but I love it. Adidas is excited to introduce new offerings within the go-to apparel collection that allows you to bring your style to the golf course. Not the traditional golf uniform. Go-to brings a fresh attitude to the game wherever you play. You'll look good on and off the course while enjoying all the technical benefits that let you play your best. Featuring streetwear-inspired style, the go-to collection rewrites all the rules and encourages you to express your style through every swing. Explore the new go-to collection on adidas.com golf. Fella. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. To the Missing Curfew crews, you beauties, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Missing Curfew. Up dog, it's time to take care of a little business here at Missing Curfew. Big thanks to our Missing Curfew sponsors. Really appreciate their brand stepping up, and we're excited to grow this partnership and make them feel part of the show. Absolutely, Obi. We love our sponsors, true grassroots sponsors, and we are open to having more. If you have any interest in partnering with us here at Missing Curfew, reach out and let's get something started. Obi, you can hit us up at scotty at missingcurfew.com. We'd love to have you, Obes. Bring it on. Up dog, you are the CEO, business mind of Missing Curfew. I appreciate it. And listen, we got some cool stuff going on um, here at Hall Pass, and you're working hard. And, and to our listeners, whoever's out there, um, yeah, join the team. We want to do some cool stuff. Looking for sponsors. Thank you for the support. And hit the up dog up. Obes, it's time. Bring up our friends here at Good Life Clothing. They've been with us since day one, too. These guys are beauties, and so are their clothes. The Good Life shorts are money. Their sweatshirts are cash money. I'm telling you, this this relationship we got Good Life, it's unbelievable. Quality essential clothing for modern living. Made in the US of A, up dog. Amazing stuff. We love the product, and now we're offering our fans a discount. by. Well, it's always been Curfew 20. So check out their bundles. Get hooked up www.goodlifeclothing.com jump on the website do yourself a favor and get dialed in curfew 20 ladies and gentlemen welcome back to a fresh new episode of missing curfew I'm Shane O'Brien coming to you from Hall Pass Media in beautiful Newport Beach with my boy, William Scotty Updog. Obi, thanks for having me, fella. It's always good to be back in the studio here at Hall Pass with you. Yeah, it's, not, it's more of a team atmosphere with you here, I gotta be honest. 
we're sitting on this little basketball floor here. You know, our, our what That's are what they? What is, is it? It is yeah, a fucking basketball floor. Yeah, our desk here, our table that uh, we work our magic on here. This is an NBA floor, bro. It is from the summer league. This I hope is. They, uh, did they wipe the sweat off before they put her in? Or I what? mean, it's, it's silky. <laughs> but what do you say when you sit in courtside? You got your. You got your boots, boots on, on the wood. Boots on the wood. That's exactly right, Jimmy. That's a boy, Jimmy Scoops. What's up, Broadway? <laughs> or it's like on the hard floor. I forget what it is. I don't know. I just love from Entourage when Ari Gold's in front. He's like, I paid three grand for these seats. I'll launch a three if I want. <laughs> <laughs> Boys, um, Updog, you're, you're repping some good good gear. We're going to get that into a little bit. But first things first, Up, I saw on social media, fucking your boy, Craig Button, who I've had the privilege of interviewing a little bit on the power play and you said he was a beauty and you were right he is a beauty he's calling you on a pickleball and i've played with you you're a legit pickleball player he's saying he can beat you with the wrong fucking hand so i think first of all what is your reaction to that craig button the old veteran chirping you craig button yeah he, he sure did i was on my jason gregor um jason strugwick show last <laughs> week and pickleball got brought up because i was telling them i was doing a lot of it in hawaii i was going to play with you at big canyon yeah pickleball is awesome it is. and sure enough they're like pickleball what's this pickleball uh button who comes on our show every other week uh says like he's he's the man at pickleball i'm like you tell that buttsy like we'll get something going here. So, <laughs> so sure enough i guess when you wrote me our breakdown which you do every week thank yeah, you no problem. uh you said last night that he chirped me i had to go on my twitter and i see it so there's a little bit of a feud here there, there is a few broadway have you played pickleball before in the east coast i haven't played much pickleball i think the last time i played pickleball i was a junior in high school in my lifetime sports class in ann arbor michigan but there's some rumors that uh the country club up here that I belong to is uh, putting some pickleball courts in, so I, I got to step my game up. We might have to sneak him over at Big Canyon when he's here next yeah, week. Yeah, we'll play right? pickleball when you come we'll here get next you over. week. Yeah, we got some big developing news throughout this podcast that we're going to drop on you guys about Broadway, Jimmy Scoops, maybe. Well, he's coming to the West Coast, baby. So, um, <laughs> oh, yeah, he's coming. Dog, I want to challenge Craig Button. Listen, Uppy, you're better than me. Uppy's got, listen, he's got a great serve, and Uppy's got the shot that, fuck, I... I I hate it, but God damn it, Broadway, I respect it. He can <laughs> fucking do this little dink shot, Broadway. So you, <laughs> you got to go into the kitchen together. It's all about dinks. The really good players, they dink it. Guy's My, a real dink. He's a real fucking dinker. <laughs> My dink game is not where it needs to be. But anyways, bro, uh, up dog, I would like to challenge with you, if you're with your approval, me and you versus Craig Button, his player of choice. Whoever the fuck he wants. Craig Button, whoever you fucking want, bud. All right. If we if we have to come up to bring fucking, the fucking Jerry curls, let's go. Come <laughs> if on. If we have to come to Canada and quarantine for fourteen days before we fucking play, uh, we'll do that. But um, this is going live. We're getting a clip, and yeah. it's sent right out at TSN at Craig Button. Let's go. Let's bring it on. So Broadway, we'll we'll take you over to Big Canyon, show you how. Fuck, it's a sick little establishment. We'll play some pickleball with. You. We'll, we'll get Brian Gilbert Gale to play with us. He's a he's a stud. So. For sure, boys. Um, big news last week for a good Irishman that came on missing curfew, and I'm going to be honest. You know, he comes on missing curfew. Next thing you know, he's the presence of Pittsburgh Penguins. I, I don't want to oh. fucking toot around horn here, boys, but it's a bump for missing curfew. Uppy, Berkey, obviously, you were, you were blown away with the interview with him, and Broadway and myself, we all were. You know, there's some question marks in Pittsburgh. Do you think Berkey and Ron Hextall could come in here and, and, and give this spark to this organization that Sid and Malkin and these guys may need? Yeah, I think I think they can, Obi, and I think they will. Um, two old-school guys. I was blown away. In the Berkey interview, I was blown away by, by a bunch of things, but the one thing is you know he's so direct he's so in tune with the game as it's modernized as the nhl has turned into what it is he still knows what it takes to win and a sharp mind a sharp business mind i think pittsburgh you know when rutherford stepped down unexpectedly uh they probably were like you know we see berkey on tv every day yeah. berkey knows exactly what's going on he sees our team 
Can he come in and make changes right now? Because it's still in win now. You still got Crosby, you still got Malkin, you still got Latang. You got to win now. Mm -hmm. um, you put Hextall in that mix. Hextall's been there. He's been, you know, L.A., Philadelphia, played hard. Him and Berkey, two hard-nosed guys. They're gonna they're gonna probably bring some toughness in. Um, you know, we're gonna talk about this too. But size still matters, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited to see what happens. I'm pumped for him. Huge missing curfew, uh, little pump up for him. Yeah. And. Uh, you know, for all you guys listening out there, if you're <laughs> contemplating ever coming on our show and you need a little fucking tap in the ass, if you know, have if a look at If you're in between jobs or you got a good <laughs> job and look at the Mr. Curfew, probably before I turn it over to you, Updog, great point by you. And I heard Berkey talking on Sportsnet. So I guess whoever was doing the hiring, I guess it's Mario and, and Ron Burkle, right? Is that the guys? Yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. So they were, they were asking Berkey about other presidents, other GMs. And then I guess finally Mario said, well... Who are you asking for about this stuff? And it was certain names, and obviously Berkey didn't name names. And the guy's like, "Well, I'm asking Brian Burke about it." And Burkle and, and the mayor were like, "Well, fuck. Why don't we, you know, why don't we bring in Berkey?" And obviously he had a great interview. And Berkey said he wouldn't have left Sportsnet except for it's Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins. But Broadway, I think fucking Berkey and Hexy can come in here and maybe spark these guys and bring a little fear back into that dressing room. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Berkey is going to stay true to his word and make sure his star players have nothing to worry about. So I'm excited to see what type of toughness he adds to that lineup. But uh, the touchback on the Rutherford, I heard there were some rumors that he stepped down because he wanted to trade Chris Letang and it wasn't happening. So if they weren't going to let him uh, direct the ship how he wanted to, he wanted out. And I don't understand why he'd want to trade Chris Letang. So it probably could be rumors. But Berkey being there, like he said, he's one of those guys that's going to expect hard work and toughness out of his teams. And I think that's what Pittsburgh needs because they have the star players and they're just going to add some depth and toughness to the bottom of their lineup. Jimmy Scoops is at it again. He does he's it. At it again. He's at it. He can't help himself. He's at it again. Fucking, they want to trade Ruffling feathers, baby. Fuck, I don't know if I'd step down over trading Crystal Tank. But anyways, um, yeah, I think, I listen, I watched them play the other night and I'm not going to sit here and chirp Malnick, uh, Malkin, sorry, Malik, Malkin, because obviously he's Stanley <laughs> Cup champion, 10 times the player I ever was. But, there was one play where he was back-checking and Backstrom picked his pocket. I just think Berkey and, and Ron Hexel will come in there. And Berkey, he has that intimidation factor that he could pull Malkin in his office and be like, hey, listen, I know you have all the success. I know there's no fans in this fucking building. But that dog shit there, it ain't going to fucking fly. Like, we, you know, we got a chance to win another one here. And I think Berkey and Hexy are, are the guys up for that. Yeah, you know that. You know what it's like to get called in the office and get your Fuck do I ever? Yeah, get your pee pee slapped. <laughs> I um, do. <laughs> for, for sure, I do. But uh, no, you're exactly right. It's it's a it's a new beginning. I think uh, a shakeup like that. You know, whether it's your coach, your GM, in this case, president and GM. I I, I think that just the ripple effect throughout the dressing room is like, guys, we got to get our shit together. Yeah, now it's a new opportunity for everyone. Um, you know, the people, there was discussions last week, like, you know, if you're on a bad team, you're playing for a job, you're playing for the GM, you're, no, you, you go out and play for each other. Hockey's always about your team. But in this case, like, you know, it's a fresh slate there. But Berkey, you don't want him on your bad side, as, as you well know. You don't yeah. want to be dealing with the, the silver fox or the white fox, no. coming, you know, going in the white fox's room and, and him, you know, having an issue with you. So, uh, you know, I know F. Guinea. I know Gino. <laughs> Gino really knows what to what You're to do. You're good with the Russian names, by the way. Wow, well, I don't like Russians that well. They stole a couple of my gold medals. What about Russian girls? Do you like them? Uh, anyways, I do. <laughs> I can't they lie. They're two and old boys since Berkey's been there. Yeah, and up, thumping I on know. Washington. Just up, a complete bend over. Up, you're, and you're completely right, Ups. Like Berkey's, and I got a good Berkey story, actually. It's my rookie year. I fought Winchester at home. 
on like a, a Sunday afternoon, and we had a pretty good tilt. Winchester, Brad Winchester yeah, to the bill. Yeah, there, yeah, Winchester, good guy. He plays a guitar, I guess. I guess he's a beauty, right? Loops, <laughs> pretty good. So we have a Sunday afternoon games at five o'clock. I fight him. I spin the bucket. I did the old woo coming off the ice stuff like that, right? Go out that Sunday night to Sharkies, get absolutely pinned with Pen Penner Perry, um, probably big guy, whoever it doesn't matter. But anyways, next morning all we're doing is flying out, no practice. So in Anaheim, you got to meet at the Honda Center. So I show up a little hungover, a little hung cheese fucking carlisle's like berkey wants to see in his office i'm like what like we've won we've won like 10 straight i go in there i'm scared out of my mind ups and he like plays the clip of the fight he's like i like this stuff and then he shows me spin this bucket he's like you ever fucking do this again you will never play another shift on my fucking team you don't embarrass people what if we play these guys in the fucking playoffs fight keep your fucking mouth shut and get the fuck out of my office i was like man that was all time backfire but to what you're saying ups he fucking but you still remember that. I still so remember that. So that sunk with you. Yeah. Some of these kids never get that opportunity to have like a coach or GM say something to that to that fact anymore, right? Yeah. Because it's it's different. You can't fucking rip guys like that. Hopefully you still can. Yeah. But that sort of thing kept you, you know, straight edged, kept you classy, kept you, you know, on the right side of being either an idiot and looking like you're showboating or just being a fucking tough NHL or play yeah. against. That's so... I love to hear stories like that, Obi. The fact that it... It resonated with you um, and stuck for so long is, is huge on Berkey's. Berkey's yeah, part. and that's exactly what he was saying in Berkey's way, right? Yeah. Like, don't be a hot dog. Yeah. Go out there, fight. I love that shit. Be a good teammate. I was just trying to fucking sell a few more O'Brien 37 jerseys there, right? At the Honda <laughs> Center, I was like, fuck, I got a few more jerseys out here. As, but As you should. Broadway, the last thing, uh, fuck, there'll be no offer sheets for the Pittsburgh Penguins with fucking Berkey and Hexy in the front office. Away. I mean, the, the, nope, the, that is a tough front office. That's as tough as they come when it comes on that side of the business. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. And what are your thoughts on Mike Sullivan there, uh, Broadway? Obviously, with Berkey coming in, Hexy, do you think Sully has a, you know, is, is he worried or do you think he's, he's going to be fine as a head coach in Pitt? I think Sully's going to be fine as a head coach because he, he fits their values. He's a guy that he has no uh, time for uh, no hard work. I mean, you see it in Malkin, which is kind of surprising because I feel like a couple of years ago, it might have been last year when Malkin had that tough playoff or that tough season. Sully kind of laid into him, and then Malkin came out on a mission. So I don't know if Malkin just had an off night there, but I think Sullivan is uh, he's in with those guys, and he's got the same values, so same core values of uh, what they want to accomplish in Pittsburgh. For sure, Broadway. And listen, I get it, Malkin. Like, if I was playing in front of no fans on a fucking whatever Sunday afternoon or whatever, I may not be working that hard. But just I'm just from a you know a fans perspective now, and I think Berkey will go in there and kind of spark them. So good luck to Brian Burke. We love you, and if you need a couple, maybe coaches, scouts, what, what, fucking special advisor, the GM or a president, one of us could probably do that. Hey, we, we can we break could. down power plays and face-off plays all day, baby. <laughs> I mean, we could do it part-time. We got a pretty good gig. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. We're fucking. Hey, well, now that you're running, now that you're officially the CEO, things are humming. But, uh, <laughs> Updog, we'll start with you on this. This is pretty impressive, and you have the most games here at Missing Curfew. The longevity of the Updog, Patrick most kills too. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's for sure. Updog, that Patrick, is for sure. Patrick Marlowe. I mean, if he stays healthy, boys, he can pass Gordie Howe. This is how you know you're watching too much fucking hockey. I saw this the other night. He can pass Gordie Howe at home this year, April 19th, if he plays all the games. Um, it's When I saw it, it blew my mind up. He just Obviously, I don't know Patty at all. I know PJ does. But just for to play that many fucking games and to beat Mr. Hockey, it's pretty crazy. It's impressive, yeah. I can't say I've watched a whole lot of San Jose games this year, Rose. You're not missing much except for Carlson trying <laughs> to fucking move around out there. And it looks like they me. stink. It looks like he looks like me when I was playing in fucking Finland. He can't move the poor guy. I feel bad from now up because he yeah, just tell yeah. his groins or not. Totally. Yeah, my groins used to bark too. I used to leave a couple of them in the corner at some <laughs> some arenas. But um you know I 
Patrick Marlowe, boys, he's been in the league for, you know, it's probably t- almost 20 years, right? Uh, when I came yeah. in the league, he'd only been in there maybe four years. But from day one, a, like a superb pro, always a good teammate. Guy's got 1,100 points as a shark already. That's, you know, that's impressive. So his skill has always been there. But his legs have kept up. And his, you know, <clears throat> moving around last couple of years, going to Toronto, helping out the young young kids. We're seeing a new Toronto team this year, the way they're playing. They're, you know, they've been playing well. We'll touch on their, their you know, the fall <laughs> The fall of Cabal last night. Fuck. Um, oh, man. But listen, ta- hats off to him. I, I say hats off a lot, actually. I'm, I'm realizing that. But uh, tip my cap to, to Patty Marlowe <laughs> because April 19th is not too far away. Fuck. The guy stays healthy. I mean, that's one impressive stat to, to have in your belt, one that might not ever be touched again, um, you know, because a health is matter, staying young, you know, matters. There's a whole lot of factors now that go into this league. And one, you got to skate. And yeah. he went through a phase in this league where, you know, you had to be fast, but as long as you stayed healthy, you could keep up. Now these kids are just blowing by guys. So unless you're, you know, unless you stay healthy and play fast, it's, uh, you know, your time could be ended anytime. Yeah. Broadway, what are your thoughts on Patty Marlowe passing Mr. Hockey? It's so impressive what he's done with his career. Just to be able to be in that category of that many games played is it's incredible, but he's but he's had a hell of a career. He's he's kind of done every role you can do as a hockey player. He's been the go-to guy, but now he's been uh, more of a mentor. But just to be able to keep up in today's game is the most impressive part. Like he stayed relevant throughout his whole career. He's been a household name since he's entered the league. So hats off to him, Uppy. Hundred percent. And and what you said, Uppy, is his ability to skate. I remember when I first got in the league, he was one of the guys that I was just like, holy fuck, like slow down a bit. And another thing about him, when I finally got him in the corners, I was like, all right, this is my chance to get this guy, right? I can't catch him when he's coming in on me on a rush. I'm going to fucking bury him. He's strong. Strong in his skates. I remember trying to hit him. So to Patty Marlowe, he's a a good buddy of our our boy PJ. Congratulations. Um, To pass Mr. Hockey will be, I mean, fuck, that's incredible. I thought, you know, getting over 500 games was a pretty good feat. But to play that many games, good on you, buddy. We love seeing veterans succeed here. Fellas, I gave my boy fucking the mad Russian a little bit of tough love last week, and I went home. I'm like, I'm in no position to be fucking calling anybody out for sleeping in or showing up late for practice. So, to the Dobes, I, I you got any good sleeping stories up? I got one I want to tell. Do you want to? See, you want to? Yeah, start I can off? start off for sure. Um, I mean, as I as I got older, Obes, I got to be honest, sleeping in uh, wasn't so much of a problem as it was back in you know back in my early days. I used to like to get up by the end of it. I realized as a pro, you know, if you want to stick around the league, can't be sleeping in for practice. It's frowned upon. But when I was in Florida, I was, <laughs> I was, you know, up. There was some ups and downs, and you know, I had Miami down south. I had you know, a lot, a lot of golf courses. I had Jimmy Hayes living across the street from me. You know, I had a nice penthouse there at the river at Fuck the river house. Uh, we were playing the Philadelphia Flyers, and. Um, you know, God rest his soul. Ray Emery was in town and uh, a couple of boys and we grabbed dinner and then we went out and you know, a couple of beers and I brought back a little bit of little gathering back in my place. And uh, <laughs> I wasn't up too late, but I sure, sure as hell, you know, went to bed and was kind of kept up and, you know, yeah. I stayed up for a little bit longer. And then um, you were busy. I wake <laughs> up to uh, the feeling is the worst feeling oh, on the planet. Man. I don't care if you're late for. Uh, I mean, I was going to say like a doctor's appointment, but who cares? <laughs> Being late for something where, yeah, well, yeah, where people are counting on you or, you know, yeah. you're, you're counted upon to be there. Um, and, you know, there's a professionalism to it. 
you know, I see my phone and I'm like, oh my God, I have 15 minutes to get to the rink and it's 40 minutes away, right? So I just <laughs> start flying. Well, Frosty and Moods, two, two, of my, two of the best trainers in the league call me and, well, I call them and I go, boys, I am gonna be late. Take off my gear, this was a legendary move. Take my gear out of my stall, put it around, throw a couple sticks in my stall, make it look like I'm there. Take my, my bag, like put someone's clothes in my fucking stall in my change room. So in the NHL, you have a change room and you have your dressing room. Well, in the change room, I'm like literally put someone else's jeans in my thing, rummage up the shoes, undo my laundry bag, bring me the laundry bag into the parking lot. <laughs> so they cut sure as hell. They what leave the, they leave the laundry bag out in the parking lot because usually you have a team meeting like you know uh, if practice is at ten thirty in the morning, you got a team meeting at. 9.45, yeah. 45 minutes before practice yep. usually. So I said, as long as I have another 15 minute window here that I gotta just get my stuff on and walk in nonchalant, right? Sure as hell, get my stuff, put a, you know, rummage through, <laughs> leave my clothes in the car and walk right in like nothing happened, sit in my stall, tape my stick, pour a coffee, fucking good as new. And that, that's a fucking legendary story. And good, that's just a perk of playing in Florida because you can change in the park a lot. If you're playing, <laughs> yeah. if you're playing, fucking, if you're playing in Edmonton, you're like, oh, boys, I don't know, throw my stuff in the hallway. But I mean, that's legendary ops. And that's just moods and frosty that are fucking absolute beauties. Broadway, you, I know you were an ultimate pro Broadway, but you got any sleeping in stories? Um, I was always so scared to be late because I always thought like I would lose my job. I never wanted to give management an excuse to send me down. Like I think I mentioned before, I think I was the only guy on a three-year deal making seven bananas that walked on eggshells every single day. But there was a time <laughs> that I was in Boston and uh, I might have had a late night with one of my buddies, Bolesky. And really? then we woke up and we we're like, holy shit, man, the plane's leaving in 30 <laughs> minutes. We got to figure out a way to get there. We, get, we just buzz around. We think it's one of those travel days. You kind of wear whatever you want on the plane. Show up, no bag. Had to go buy all new clothes out in California. But the most impressive part of the whole thing was had the late night. And then when the plane was leaving from Boston to San Jose, and Bolesky and I slept the entire flight with a two-hour pit stop in Omaha. I think the guys on the team thought we were dead. <laughs> That's just a good old-fashioned shutdown. That's how you leave no, it all out time. Boys, I had fucking more sleeping stories than I'm probably proud of. I, went through, I was like, fuck, I got a, I got a few. I can think of a couple. I got a few here that, uh, and now I'll be, I, I can't sleep in now. It's I, great. I'd be fine now. Morning sometimes I'm the best. I'm up at fucking 7.30. Back in the day the best. when I shut her down. I mean, so this was in the, this was my first year pro. So did you ever play in Salt Lake City? You guys, yeah, the miners? Yeah. yeah. Tough so, air up there. Yeah. So I, this was during the day. I went and had my morning skate, lunch, and then I went back to the hotel to shut it down. You know, they had those nice fucking... Blackouts. Blackout blinds, man. So I don't forget who my roommate was. But anyways, I, I shut her down. I don't hear my roommate leave. I wake up. I'll be, it's fucking five minutes before the meeting, before the game, right? The game starts in an hour and a half. So I throw on my suit. I get out of the hotel room. And the hotel in, in Salt Lake is right where the rink is. But there's like a parking lot that's probably like two football fields wide. And I'm in my suit and I start digging. I'm just digging, right? <laughs> and sure enough, fucking all-time beauty, Grant Fuhr is the goalie coach. Whitey. Yeah, Grant Fuhr is the goalie coach for Salt Lake. It's Phoenix's farm team. So I run by Fierzy. I'm like, fuck, Fierzy, how you doing, buddy? And he just yells back. He's like, don't worry, kid, could happen to anyone. And I just started <laughs> laughing. And that was like the one thing that um, he was like the perfect guy to run by uh, at that particular moment. But sleep in, sleep can happen did we tell you? Did I tell the story of when you slept, slept in for... Uh, Fred Couples fucking tea time. No, you didn't. Go ahead. It was, tell a, it. It was a Saturday, couple, probably five summers ago when Freddie just joined our club at Big Canyon. Yeah. And I had a party. I was living at Cam Fowler's place in the summer. Yeah. Sick pad. Thanks, Cam. 
And he had the NBA jam in the back. Yeah, with boys. Meant, yeah. He's heating up. He's, He's heating on fire. Up. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Uh, we have a party. Oops, you're upstairs. Passed out in one of my rooms, but I'm like, I'm gonna get this guy ah, up in the morning. We got it. We got a tea time at like eight thirty Sundays, which is a tea time now that we actually enjoy and we yeah, make all the time. Love it. But fuck, boys, you should have seen me trying to get Obes out of this bed. First off, <laughs> I, I can understand why you would want to stay in bed with whoever was there with you. But I'm like, Obes, we're literally golfing with Fred Couples. Like, this is your idol. Yeah, get up. I'll throw you in the shower. I got your golf clothes here. You're like, fuck off. <laughs> I'm, I'm not getting up. <laughs> so Fuck sure as off. shit, I'm like, I ain't leaving here without you. Like, you're fucking coming. So it took me a while, maybe a little cold shower or two. That, that was the first story. The second one at Shinnecock, which was... Okay, this that's is Jim, all time. Yeah, tell this one too. But that's Jim. This is Jim Cantaloupe's fault. But yeah. continue on with the story. We Cantaloupe, we're in what a beauty. He wasn't we're golfing. in Montauk. This is probably five years ago now. We're in Montauk on a on a July fourth like fucking bender. bender. Yeah, ten days in Montauk. Uh, epic epic place for you know for food, dinners, parties, a couple house parties we went to. <laughs> anyway, we got a house. It's a sick house. <laughs> we stay up one night, super late, hot tub, whatever, and. Uh, we're, we had a tea time. Him, Loops, and I are meeting our boy Billy Quinn's buddy at Shinnecock, which is about an hour drive, and we got a Tesla. <laughs> so someone's getting fucked asleep or like sitting in the back seat. But I, I wake up two hours before we got to leave because I'm just like, I'm getting up. I'm fresh. I'm, you know, fresh as a daisy. All I needed was like three hours of sleep. And I start by waking up Obes. I know Loops, he, he'll get up for anything. I start waking up Obes every 20 minutes I'm going in the room. <laughs> it's i'm just making sure he's alive for one and then i'm like all right bud we got we're leaving in 20 we're leaving in 20 i said it like 10 times and sure enough I, finally i had to get the bucket of water and i'm like he's not gonna he's gonna kill me if i don't get him up to play shinnecock right so i just fucking launch this bucket of water on him and he he freaks out like almost beats me up and then and then so we get it together jump in the car what we don't realize is these stupid tesla's fucking battery right so there is not one battery station from us to Shinnecock, and we're on like now we're rolling the dice. Now I'm we're like, rolling if the this dice. This car fucking dies, boys, and I'm playing in the back here. Obi's laying Shinnecock. in the back of this small Tesla S, whatever fifty, and he's got his legs out the window, and he's just he's sleeping the whole way. So we get to the we get to the clubhouse, we park, cat like the the caddies or whatever meet us at the car, grab our clubs. Obi just fucking it was like he, a bear waking up for hibernation. He just gets up. He's like, oh. And then, so it doesn't say a word. He's got that look on his face. We're like, oh, just let him go. He's going to go grab a coffee. We walk into this clubhouse. It's a hundred over a hundred years old. And we walk into the men's room and we're like, holy shit, look at around. Like it's all kept classic old school. First thing Obes does is just smash the door open. I got a shit. Look at all my way, boys. I got to take my morning crunch here. Heads off, right? So we go hit balls. I'm so fucking drunk. I'm hitting a wedge. I'm hitting my good. So I get to the range. The boys are like, how you doing, Obes? I'm like, I'm fucking in one, bro. Like, I'm in one. So Jimmy Cantaloupe, the night before, up he goes to bed. And Cantaloupe's like, it's me, Cantaloupe, and a few other people. And Jimbo, I'm like, I got to go to bed, Jimbo. And he's like, oh, what? You're playing Shinnecock. What, are the greens there better than somewhere else? I'm like, yeah, they yeah, fucking they are. are better. It's like top five course. It's a fucking sick track. So anyways, Jimbo, it's my own fault. But Jimbo talks to me to stand up late. Broadway, I'm hitting wedges on the range. 120 yards, I can't see the ball. Like it hits my club, I can't see it. So get to one, make par. Get to two, make birdie. birdie yeah. Get to wow. three, make par again. And the boys are like, okay, I'll settle down. I'm like, boys, don't worry. 
It's fucking coming to an end here. <laughs> I think I shot like fucking 90 or something. Was, <laughs> the wheels was, are coming off quick. It was, it was the year before the U.S. Open there too. It was badass. It was badass. Yeah. But the, so we go to, fast forward, we go to Montauk the next year and we got national lined up, right? And Lupo is so gung-ho to go play national. Like he doesn't go, his back's in one, so he doesn't come to dinner. Me and Uppy get fucking pinned. And at about fucking 1.30, I look at Uppy, I'm like, we're not golfing, are we? He's like, fuck no, we're not golfing. So Lupo wakes up in the morning and Lupo just texts the boys. He's like, what the fuck's going on? And me and Uppy are out cold. Wake up. He was so, remember how choked he was? He's oh, like, yeah. we'll, never get, we'll never get a chance to get on national. We'll never get a chance to get on national again. We're like, fucking relax, Lupo. We'll get back on national. Yeah, yeah. So we learned our lesson the second time. Anyways, totally. So well, I'll just I call know. my brother. My brother's got a hook up at that truck. Trump National, who get us out there? Yeah. No, it wasn't Trump National. No, it, was, it was the it was national, the national National Golf Club. Yeah. It's, oh, it's over. badass. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> it, Loops was actually not far off. It's a no. sick, <laughs> sick track. And once you blow one invitation, you usually don't get the second. But we got there. We got there. But yeah. in Loops's defense, it was a great track. But fuck, we were having a time. Yeah. Right. I wasn't ready to go to bed just yet. So, Dobbs, <laughs> I owe you. An, I owe you an apology. Um, I slept in. As you can tell, my boy William Scotty Upshaw. That was two stories. I'm sure he's got about twenty of them. So. <laughs> Uh, boys, there's something that happened. We wanted, we wanted to touch on it last week. We didn't get to it up. So when, when Torts benched Liney, um, you know, I thought it was, you know, give this kid a chance. He just got there. He's been quarantining. Like, you know, it might be too soon, but whatever. He gets in a fight. Did you like the benching? Do you think benching star players early in the trade is smart? Or, or what were your thoughts on it when you saw it and the way he responded? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> talk about the ups and downs of this Patrick Liney the last, last month or whatever, yeah. right? It's like one game, you know, hat trick. Next game, <laughs> you're getting shipped out of here. Then, you know, yeah. come in, you're not healthy, score, score a couple goals. Next game, you get benched, then you want to go fight. So it's like it's peaks and valleys. Yeah, you got to talk about it. But uh, <laughs> whatever he I think the rumor was, right, that he, he chirped the coach, you know, and I've chirped a lot of coaches too. It never really pans out for you in the end. Um, Hitch actually was my only coach that I actually liked when you engaged with him. It, it felt like he could, I don't know if it was just something he did with guys who, uh, when you would chirp with him, he felt like you were more engaged to the game. You actually probably create a little fire under your ass. So I don't know. It, it's <clears throat> it's part of this feeling out process with with Line. A. You know, I'm a firm believer that Tortorella has a has you know his own ways, and that the team over there buys into it, and they know if they want to win games, it's got to be this Torts's kind of culture and that Torts's way. You played for him, so yeah. you kind of know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but at some point, Patrick Liney's got to wake up, and it's—he's not a rookie anymore. He's got to realize, you know, you're in different situations. You're not only getting benched from your coaches. Um, it's a—it's a team. It's like a team atmosphere, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, hopefully, he turns it around. I know he stepped up and looking to scrap, and you know he can score at will. But it's all the other things, the intangibles that that are going to keep you on the bench. I agree, and fuck, you almost got dropped by that little haggle kid or whatever his name is from Chicago who could chuck him. But Oppie, <laughs> I'm with you, and probably before we get your opinion on it, man, it didn't bug me if, a, if if me and you were teammates and we got in a fuck you match on the bench. That didn't bug me. If I got yeah, in a yeah. fuck you match with my coach, it didn't bug me. The next day, I see him at the rink. Hey, up dog, fuck my bad. Or after the game, or at Bonesy, hey, sorry, I didn't mean to yell at you in For LA sure. like that. Like sometimes I think that shit, it's good. It's emotion, and, and it's never a bad thing, Broadway. Sometimes it can be a bad thing, but not always. No, yeah, I think the emotion, that's what it is. Guys, you're, it's a competitive sport. You know, you're going to be uh, saying shit sometimes that you don't mean. But like you said, everyone in that locker room is a man and move on and get over it. But I think Torch was just trying to send a message. And it's like, I think he had a strategy behind benching him, just letting this kid know, like, 
the shit ain't going to fly anymore. It's just, you're going to play hard for me. And like you said, uh, uh, I've never played for Tortorella, but you have all, all he wants is hard work. And if you're going to work hard, you're going to play. Like you can see after that fight, he played 18 minutes or 19 minutes. He played 20 minutes before he's got five points in five games. Yeah. He can play, but he just needs to add that aspect to his game. It's he can't just take nights off. Like he needs to show up every single night. And I think Torch is going to get that out of him. Broadway, that's a great point. And, and when I thought he was putting up numbers, right? He was scoring. He was ripping one-timers from that OV fucking one-time spot we say. So I was like, fuck, Torts. You know, maybe give the guy a little break. Like, he just got traded. He's been quarantining. But like you said, Broadway, maybe there was a – like, Torts has his plan and was like, I got to wake this kid up now before it gets going too long up, dog. Yeah, probably the, the thing I'm seeing from the outside looking into is, like, Paul Maurice, um, you know, who's an incredible coach, well-respected, he just could not figure out this Patrick Liney in the, in the four years, let's say, that he was there, right? Yeah. Numerous times, you know, having to sit him, having to change, uh, change his line mates, couldn't figure him out. Torts is probably like, you know what? Right off the bat here, I'm going to show this kid that if you're not going to buy in um, and evolutionize your style of play so you can be more of a complete player because I'm not just going to have this guy, this big right-hand shot that's 220, not using his strength, not using his body, not playing on both sides of the puck. I'm going to set this I'm going to set this, you know, straight right off the bat and I'm going to sit him as soon as I see laziness or as soon as I see him like kind of going off in his own way. So I, I like it. I actually like it. I, I think it's a good thing. I'm like, you know what? Someone needs to teach this kid that, you know, being an NHL player is more than just scoring goals. And you know what? If Columbus wants him to um, help their team out, they kind of kind of teach him fast, teach him, you know, right away. It's, it's, a, it's the old like tale of, you know, you just can't fucking throw your stick on the ice all the time and, and be lazy when everyone else is doing work, you know? And it's a great response by Line A. The next night he goes out and gets that fight. That's gonna that's showing Torts and showing his teammates that he's buying in and he's ready to play. And he can make that Columbus team a legitimate team if he can play at that type of level. Agreed. Good point by you boys. I guess I'm getting a little fucking soft in my old age because I thought I kind of looked at it, I was like, ah, Torts, come on, man, give this kid a break. But I, I like what you guys are saying. Like nip it in the butt right away. Hey, listen, kid, this ain't gonna fucking fly here. This is how we play. Fuck off. So like all right. It. You guys were right. Fellas, this is, I want to get your opinion on this. You know, we were warm-up guys. We take the buckets off. I was never – I never stayed on to the end of warm-up, right? I was fucking getting on, getting my sweat, stretch, check out what's going on, get the fuck off. This rock, paper, scissor thing. I was – who was it, Broadway? Was it Marshawn and – Marshawn and Zabinajak. Zabinajak. So they wait. They do the paper, scissors. I never had guys do it on my team. Uppy, I always thought it was kind of lame. Not. I don't think it's cool for the game. What were your thoughts on it in general and when you saw it? Did you ever – did I ever play with a fucking idiot that ever, was yeah. doing that? No, I didn't. <laughs> I, I can call these guys fucking idiots is what I did. Yeah. I think it's like a, it's a showboat. And what is it for the fans? Like, do the fans want to see you like staying on the ice and winning that paper, rock, scissors battle? Like, is it something you want to do to get extra TV time? Get in the fucking room and talk about fucking what's going on in the yes, game. Yes, exactly. Thank <laughs> you. You know? Yeah. It's like, uh, the last four or five years, you see these guys all come out and do their own little dance and they're fucking, you know, they each got their high Man, fives. Sure. And I, I get it. Like, you want to pump each other up. But are you going to do it if the fucking Building camera's... Building the brand. Are you going to do it if the camera's not fucking there? Exactly. Like, because that's what you're doing it for. I know I know the fucking game cam before you come out of the dressing room is staring you right in the eye. And that's when you're going to be like doing all your little stick moves and dance moves and high fives. I just think it's... I don't know if it's hockey. Maybe it is. But... The paper, rock, scissors, I, I 
you know, I used to like just to rip a puck down at the at the other team's net. Maybe yeah, with the goalie was, still in yeah, there, yeah, just yeah. fucking take a hard slapper to set the tone. Yeah, then you're down at the other end. You're like, who fuck? Who shot that puck? Yeah, yeah. Hey, who the fuck that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Set a statement early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and then have school. fucking Obes just work the line. <laughs> the big urn. Yeah. Broadway, what are your thoughts? I'm with Uppy. I think it's kind of fucking lame. I think it's a little bit of distraction before the game. I guess if you're playing in front of no fans, maybe you need to make it more fun, but. What are your thoughts on it, Jimbo? I mean, would I do it? No, I wouldn't do it. But I think it's more of like a new generational type thing. And I think it just goes to show you uh, how superstitious some of these guys are. I know guys have like part of their plan that they need to be the last guy off to have a good game. But uh, I mean, the rock, paper, scissors doesn't matter to me, like matter to me. But like you said, if they're doing it for the camera time, I mean, those two guys are absolute superstars. They don't really need any more camera time. Yeah, that's but, true. Uh, I don't know. I think if you're going to be the home team, that guy should have the right to be the last guy off the ice. For fucking rights, I agree. I think that's how, that could be a good little rule. Home team, I'm the last guy on the, off the ice for sure. Uh, that's a good point, Broadway. I think that's how they should handle it moving forward. I just saw it and I was like, this is kind of fucking lame. I don't know. So, But I get the superstition. I was never a big superstition guy. Be, you weren't really. I played with you. Were, no. You no, had some no. superstitions after the game. Up dog, you're looking fucking sharp. I want you yeah. to touch on, just touch on, our, tell our listeners what this hockey yeah, mechanic this is, is a, all about. This is, uh, so my buddy Mark, who, who I met in Kelowna years ago, friend with all the hockey guys out there, um, clothing guy, always was ahead of the curve, uh, made awesome hats. So what you see me wearing right now is a collaboration, which is a long one in the making. Hockey night in Canada, Obi. I mean, when we see this logo, what does it think of? I fuck, Bob Cole, I fucking think of grapes. Fucking, yeah, Harry Neal. Harry Neal. Fucking period. Fucking hit. Yeah. So listen. Always got the towel going. Yeah, well, well, this is just it. Like hockey night in Canada. As a, as a young kid, I remember sitting in my kitchen. I had a TV the size of this fucking cup. I used to watch Montreal Canadiens and and Toronto Maple Leafs on. It was tiny. Yeah. My mom and dad would probably laugh at this now because I'm like, why did you have such a tiny TV when you're a kid? <laughs> Anyway, I used to watch games as a kid. Uh, this logo, it's been missing for a long time. Uh, and the guys at CDN Clothing, Canadian, CDN, three, three letters, are, uh, are bringing back the trademark for this collaboration. And I think it couldn't have been, uh, uh, it's been hiding. And it's nice that it's out there again. Uh, so what I want to touch on is a, just a couple Hockey Night in Canada stories. I got one, which uh, was actually on T, uh, Missing Curfew Clips put it up the other day. But I was playing in Philly. We were playing the Montreal Canadiens, second round. Uh, we're up fucking four games to one in the Bell Center. And sure as shit, uh, Jeff Carter fucking doing his thing, old Cartsy, rope on him, was just, was just coming. <laughs> Came around the top circle, rips a fucking high, high shot right at the fucking top corner, and up dog just fucking gets a little stick in there, tips it by fucking Carey Price, young Carey Price at the time. Go did the fucking gusher pumpernickel out to the blue line. And... Sure enough, after the game, <laughs> I get a, I get an interview with Elliot Friedman at the time I was working with him, and he teed me up perfectly for a Hockey Night in Canada interview. Got the towel on. Jimmy's wearing the Fuck towel. But, nice but towel. asked me, just how cool is this? Like, you got the Bell Center as quiet as it could ever be right now. You guys just upset him in, fi in five games. What a failing. And, you know, who do you want to thank? And I got a chance to go in and thank, like, my grandfather, my parents. Oh, wow. And it was just an epic coast-to-coast -coast game. And... You know, I never played in Canada, but that was as closest as I could get to like that feeling of like, okay, everyone I know is watching this game, yeah. you know? So I got to thank them on national TV with the towel, went out in Montreal after, did some damage. I bet you and, did. And uh, so 
So that's it. Do you guys have any Hockey Night in Canada stories? Because then I'm going to no, talk. I have no, but what a city to have the Hockey Night in Canada tile up. You sure brought Hell it up yeah. that night. Hell but, yeah. I mean, everyone in the city probably knew who you were anyways. <laughs> I remember watching that series. You guys sticking to the Habs, and I, I was loving it. Um, For me, I think it was just the first time I got on Coach's Corner, man. I remember, you know, Grape said something. I don't know if it was, a, I don't know what it was in my first goal, my first fight or whatever, but he gave me some love and Graves gave me a lot of love throughout my career, which, you know, I got to meet him a little bit during the playoffs against Chicago. I got an epic picture of my dad, my uncle who played with him, me, him, Ron McLean, my buddy, um, Danny Gabois was in there. So for me, it was the first time I got hockey in Canada. All the, all the fucking boys text me back home. Oh, you're on fucking coach's corner. And I'm, I'm like, fuck, that's official. I'm a national leaguer. Anytime you get on coach's corner, hockey in Canada, Boom, you're legit. So to Grapes, thank you. Updog, sick gear. And you got a nice little promo code for the boys, don't you? I do, I do. So this this CDN, boys, is, is a Canadian apparel that reflects everything Canada has to offer. You know, they're leading the cannabis industry. They got young chefs. They got young hockey players. It's cold as fuck up there. Got to wear a nice hoodie. <laughs> but, um, you know, we're going to touch Royal. on these. These guys are good guys. We have, a curf- we have a curfew 10 for 10% off all their products sweet and the website is we are cdn three words dot ca so cdn.ca so for those of us down here in the u.s you'll find it somewhere yeah. and uh, curfew 10 curfew 10 is promo our promo code. code so thanks to those guys you guys got yours coming in the mail I, this weekend we're I, gonna wear uh, i've already wore mine mine it's fucking sick the hoodie's yeah. great the t-shirt's good the hats are unreal good color hat it's great it's unbelievable yeah. i was walking uh, i wore it on my morning walk last week so i forgot to wear it today because i'm a meat stick but uh i mean you're, yeah, the, best. you're the you're the male model of this group anyways you're ah. fucking looking good buddy come on boys you're it's a good sharp. looking group it's a good looking group so thanks for the support to those boys hockey in canada we love you broadway sick towel jimbo jimmy scoops i gotta ask you about because you brought this up to fucking Berkey when he said they got three rings every time they're pumping gas. You asked him about the Blackhawks. And listen, at the start of the season, when they played Tampa, I was like, oh, oh, poor Sheldon Brookbank, my boys, our boys coaching. It's going to be a long one. Fuck, were we wrong? Kane, he's in the Hart Trophy right now, if you ask me. Three on three, he's unbelievable to watch. I can only imagine if they had Taves and Kirby Doc. Their goaltender's playing unbelievable. Broadway, are the Hawks for real? Should we be buying some Hawks stock, or is it just... I mean, we should bet the over every time. What are your what are your thoughts on the Hawks, Jimbo? Uh, I think the Hawks are they're coming along. Like you, they had that slow start. I thought it was going to be a long season in Chicago, and uh, I was down on them. But they've won five out of the last six, and the one loss was uh, that crazy game they had with Columbus six five. So they're staying in games, and uh, like you mentioned, oh, it was that Patrick Kane is having an MVP type season, and the most impressive part is he's he's kind of doing it on his own. I mean, the Brinkhead has to be the happiest guy in the league having him on his lineup <laughs> and they're getting some help from some young guys like this. Uh, I think his name's uh, please Suter. He's got yeah, six goals already and he's he had a nasty good. goal the other night and Duncan Keith is, is staying steady. Like another veteran, he's playing over about 25 minutes a night. And if you're getting these uh, uh, contributions from, unexpected guys and you have your all-star Patrick Kane have an MVP type season I mean anything could happen hopefully they get this doc back I'm not sure exactly how long he's out with that broken wrist and I don't know when Taves is coming back but those are two guys that are household names in Chicago yeah they're playing great fuck their offensive they're fun to watch their defense listen they're under man on the back end I think they're doing the best they can with their decor yeah they're goaltending the young Finnish kid I believe he's lacking in lacking and he's playing he's unbelievable yeah, yeah. um <clears throat> I think hockey's better when the Blackhawks are good, and I'm always going to cheer for Sheldon Brookbank, up dog. Yeah, still the best jersey I think in Fuck, the league. It's it's so oh, nasty, unbelievable jersey. Um, but yeah, that uh, 
my boy Kubalik too. Kubalik, this kid played in, um, you know, last year he stepped up and I think he scored 30 as a rookie, right? Yeah, and he was then, nasty. Uh, yeah. Uh, played in Ombre Piotta the year, the year before I got there. So he Holy was a stud fuck. there. I was supposed to come in and replace him, but I was just there on a fucking farewell tour. So <laughs> <You were just laughs> shout out to all my boys here. I hope you guys are cheese, having fun. <laughs> I know you miss me out there in that outdoor rink, fucking freezing cold, <laughs> chasing that wine and cheese. Around. You loved it though, right? I told you the atmosphere. I loved it. The atmosphere I loved of those games it. are sick in Europe. Boys, I loved every minute of it. Huh. And if you ever seen the if you ever seen the show, uh, um, what's our fucking show on Apple TV? Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. I want everyone to watch Ted Have Lasso. Have you watched that Broadway? No. All oh, Broadway. Show I it's my collection. You should binge it's watch it before you It's good for the soul. It's good for the fucking soul, up dog. Ted Lasso. So it's Players Apple coach. Apple Plus. It's Jason Sudeikis, and it's a character I guess he's always had in his fucking in his, in his repertoire. Pocket. Yeah, he's had it in his back pocket. But uh, feel good story of like a coach, Division Two from Wichita State football goes over to coach like a premier league soccer team uh, because the owner got caught cheating on his wife and the wife took over the team <laughs> and she wanted to just bury, she wanted to bury the team to make a statement to yeah. the husband. So she hires Jason Sudeikis to come over, who's Ted Lasso. And he just fucking steps up to the plate and, and is unbelievable. Uppy, that's a great description. He was a football coach at Wichita State, and he's never known anything about soccer. But he's a motivator, Jimbo. Like, fucking yeah. missing curfew. We're motivators. So maybe binge watch that before. So I said it because at the end, there's an old fucker out there. And he's a great oh, guy. Yeah. And the he captain. Yeah, the captain. And he just, he fucks. Yeah. And anyway, he, he, gets blow, he just blows his knee out in the last game. I can't, oh, I shouldn't ruin it for yeah, him, yeah, but it's epic. Jesus, it's eh? fucking epic. And, and it, it made me, uh, it made me realize that it was, you know, it's a feel good story. It's and it felt like me over in fucking Switzerland yeah. is what it did. I mean, the fucking video of the farewell tour when you go out to do your victory lap in your sneakers is fucking hilarious. <laughs> Missing curfew, Princey, find that fucking clip. It's great. Uh, Broadway. Yeah, okay, I loved when you got that the thunderclap going. Yeah, you get yeah. the fans buzzing. That was the thunder. Yeah. I'm like, you can't write Fuck. this. I go to Lupo. You can't write this. I get a tear in my eye. You can't write this shit. So we got some news here at Missing Curfew. We're going to be in Lake Tahoe for the fucking outdoor games. We're flying in Thursday. Thanks to our boy Micah Chandy hooking us up with his plane. Our boy Chaser's trying to get our hotel room figured out. I actually just got a text that the NHL took all the suites, so we're, we're kind of in scramble. <laughs> oh, but, fuckers. Ah, fuck. Um, Broadway, you're going to come out. We're looking forward to that. And Can't wait. We got a lot of gambling stuff we're going to do moving forward here, boys. We're kind of running out of time. we got to get our guest on. But So we'll be in Lake Tahoe. We're going to have stuff coming live. It's We'll, we'll keep you posted as the week goes on here. Um, but I got to ask you, boys, Broadway, I'll start with you. Betting the fucking puck line. I never do it. Every time I do it, costs me. It's a pussy play or is it a smart play? Should I be betting the puck line, Broadway? No, it's a smart play. It's a sucker's bet. Like, you have better odds, but if you think the team's going to win, you got to lay the money. My dad told me if I bet the puck line that I'm a fucking idiot. And it's like you said, it's cost me in a couple parlays. You got to have a team win by two. I think yeah, there's just do. too many good teams in the NHL to – predict those type of games right now early on i had a couple puck line victories but they're not hitting anymore i would like to see the odds and statistics are everywhere now but what are the odds when you're up a goal that the fucking you don't score like that you score an empty netter it's got to be fucking 50 50 right Fuck, i don't it's yeah I mean, but yeah. is it is it worse now well, like, I, feel, ass, a bunch so fucking, on it. I had the fucking leafs last night that blow 5-1 lead i'm having dinner with my beautiful girlfriend next thing you know steeler we're, we're on the text chain he's like the fucking leafs i'm like what turn on 5-4 so then they pull the goalie with two minutes left. I'm like, perfect. The Leafs are going to get an empty netter here. Yep. They lose the fucking draw. Next thing you know, Dandenoff, bang, bangs it in. But to answer your question, Uppy, 
It's yeah, probably fifty fifty, man, because I've watched some games where I needed it and it hasn't happened. Yeah, but I don't know. It's gotta be it's gotta be up there. It's gotta be over thirty percent, I'd say. I don't know. It's a good we'll score look, an empty net. We'll look it up. We'll yeah. look it up for our listeners. So I'm with Broadway, fuck the puck line. Uh, boys, we got a great guest. Finally, my boy, our boy, Ryan Fact Daddy O'Reilly is coming on next. So Broadway, we're fired up to have you out here uh, in Tahoe to our listeners. We're going to have lots of cool stuff, lots of content. We're just figuring it all out. We were in scramble mode up, dog, because the passes were so hard to get because of COVID. Yeah, that's it's limited action out there. Yeah, we're so. going we're, we're gonna to create something real special. We might have to sneak in. Yeah. We're, we're going to do something really cool. You can sneak there. in. Make for our sure. own bubble? Are we sneaking people in? You, yeah, you'd be surprised. Try. I hope they got security. I hope they got better security <laughs> than was at the Pentagon, let me tell you that. <laughs> so I'm getting in there. We're fired up for Tahoe, and we couldn't be more fired up for next. Fact Daddy, Ryan O'Reilly. Welcome back to Missing Curfew, Updog. OB. Fuck, here we go. The, man, the right. man, the myth, the legend. I've been trying to get this guy on for a while. There's Your been a man lot crush. Of, I know. There's been a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of chatter about this guy on the podcast. Our boy, Fact Daddy, Ryan O'Reilly. Thanks for joining us, Factor. My pleasure. It's uh, it's an honor to be on. Yeah, there's been... Uh, uh, Factor, I've taken some heat. I don't. I know you don't really have social media, but I'm, I'm taking some heat from our listeners and broadway and hazy and, and connolly back when we were working with him about you know i'm always giving the fact daddy some love i said listen i fuck guy's got six style he throws backhand yeah. sauce everywhere fuck what am i not supposed to do not love the guy or what you're like i promise <laughs> i promise he's my buddy I I know, the boys the boys have been showing me they've been uh the guys on the squad have been showing me like the tweets and stuff it's hilarious but, uh, so i'm yeah, boys, you know i'm gonna tell the story so i go this is how i met the fact daddy so i go to denver i sign a one-year <laughs> fucking deal i'd take a little haircut i wasn't making i was going there i'm like I don't know anyone this team was fucking terrible last year like what the fuck so i come in the room and i know who ryan o'reilly is but i've never met him or whatever so I, oh there's o'reilly stall and he's obviously of course he's upstairs in the gym right so the, the music's on a factor comes down with this sick little flat brim hat on and fucking this side like looking pretty juicy i'm like fuck guy's got good style and then finally i'm like you know what boys can i play some tunes here because this music's fucking brutal like oh yeah go ahead so i put on my morning jacket and then i just look over and it's like and i look over at fucking fact daddy's in the corner going i'm like hey you want to have lunch after practice or whatever so that was when i was first like fact daddy. i think we might have a lot in common here fella yeah, that's where it all started. I think it was yeah, it was my morning jacket. I think once that uh, that came on, I think uh, it became tight right from that. Yeah, it was it was just a time. Yeah, it, it is a time, and it's the first time I ever got to meet him too. Was when you invited him to Bonnaroo. You're like, guys, the fact daddy is is a man amongst his years and he loves MMJ and you should see this guy bounce around like a concert. So, you know, if we need, if we, if, if we can add an extra guy and we will make room for a guy like Ryan O'Reilly, no matter when, um, he's coming. So that was the first time I ever got to meet him. And it was, I mean, good yeah, times that, ever uh, since. That, uh, Bonnaroo ruined me, I think for <laughs> festivals. I don't think I can ever go to like another one, like just that setup and that whole thing. It was like the golf carts, our setup, we had the smoke machine, the lights going, and they're just like right outside our bus. It was just. Well, yeah, but we also had entertainment because <laughs> you were there, bro. So. Yeah, and then Fact Daddy brought the old six string with him and started strumming it after late night when we're sitting on our bus with Long. We had Longer on a couple of weeks ago, Fact Daddy, and he, oh, was, yeah. he was talking about that. Like, you guys had the sickest setup. O'Reilly was playing the guitar. Like, the band would come hang out with us, certain guys. It was just like a little jam session. I, so I remember nice. Factor gave me, I can't play an instrument to save my life. So Factor gave me the, remember the little egg factor? That's like, you're like, here, just, <laughs> just shake that, just shake that. A little so shaker. Like, oh, my God. The big man have any rhythm? 
Oh yeah, he's got rhythm. Have you ever at the club? Yeah, totally. <laughs> sure I was gonna have. say, you ever seen him back in at a nightclub when he steps up on top of the couch and just gets moving? You're like, God damn, he still can move. The guy can still uh, move. I, I can dance. I can dance a bit. Fact, Daddy, what, what's the last concert you went to before this whole COVID thing? We asked longer the same question. Do you remember? I know it's been fucking a year now, but what was the last live show you saw? Oh my gosh, do you even remember? That's a good question. I'm trying to think. Uh, I probably know which one it is, actually. Unless you watch one during the season, which I don't know if you're... Uh, I like to watch shows during the season, but yeah. after we watched our Red Rocks My Morning Jacket, you went to see him in oh, yeah. New York. Yeah, I saw him, yeah, back-to-back. -back, uh, uh, played, I think it was at Port Chester, and then yeah, that's right. and we played at this, uh, this like, the tennis venue. Somewhere, somewhere Forest North, Hills, Forest Hill area. Stadium, I just remember. Yeah, Forest, Forest Hills. Hill, and it was, that was incredible. Are you... That was uh, one, like... Yeah, that show it was it was unbelievable too because both both nights they didn't play the same track one like that's twice so it was just like it was oh, it was just unbelievable. Fact, Daddy, are you a guy that likes to go see a show on a night off? Like you know when you're on the road, if you grab a couple teammates. Um, I always tell the story. I was in St. Louis one time and I had like six tickets to see one of your favorite bands, um, the not Fleet Foxes. Holy fuck! I, Fleet Foxes are sick though. Yeah, no, it's Charlie Boy. Who's Charlie Boy? Oh, the Lumineers. The Lumineers. So, so I'm so sorry. So I'm in St. Louis. Factor could, be, factor could be in the Lumineers. I know. He's, Look at him. Damn right. <laughs> he should be. It's like, you need a guy? Yeah. So I, I go to this show uh, in St. Louis. It wasn't at um, it wasn't at Enterprise Center. It was at the uh, St. Louis University Stadium. You drive by it every day coming in from Clayton. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so no one will go with me. We had a game the next day, but I'm like, guys, this Lumineers band's sick. I know they only have one album. They've been around for like a couple months, but... Like, we'll go have a good time. It's chill. So I go solo. No one will come. I have five backstage passes that Joey Scalari gave me from Live Nation. So I go downstairs before the show. I see them all harmonizing before I go up to my seat. I'm sitting there. I'm, of course, now I'm like, hey, boys, look what you're missing. Of course, you know, rub it in a bit. I go up and I sit, <laughs> I sit in like the VIP family section and I sit next to Shattenkirk. So he was playing for the Blues at the time. And I didn't meet him, but we sit there and he's like, oh, Shaw, what's up? So I sit with him and his girlfriend at the time and we watch this epic show. And um, I always thought going to see music was like going to watch a movie, for example, before, you know, yeah, for yeah. the night out. I, I'd love it. You go have one beer, chill, dance a bit, you know, totally. get and back and feel good. So Fact Daddy, remember, so Fact Daddy, he, he's in a holdout. So Fact Daddy's playing over in Russia, right? And they, they fucking, they, they, they do his offer sheet. So he comes back, he lands in Denver. He's like, he doesn't have a place. I'm like, yo, you're staying with me. Me. He lands, he's like, I'm like, we got Passion Pit tonight, bro. I got two tickets for Passion Pit. He's like, oh man, you really think I should go to Passion Pit? Like, I haven't played all year here. I'm like, we're going to fucking Passion Pit, bro. You remember that fact, Daddy? Oh my gosh, I know. Just, just fresh off a hold out, come in. And he's like, yep, got tickets to Passion Pit. We're going. I'm like, I, I can't. Like, this is the first day. First, like, second back in the city, and I'm back at a concert already. I was just like, oh my gosh, but. It was uh, it was a hell of a show, that's for sure. <laughs> we were, I'm like, fact, I got legs going anyways. A long flight, pass your pill, get you moving. You'll feel better tomorrow in practice. <laughs> he makes a good point. Hey, fact, daddy, our our, our girl, we all know Jill Limson, who's done some work for us. He act, she actually reached out to me the other day asking about you, and she asked me who gave you the nickname Factor. Now I gave you the nickname Fact Daddy, and I didn't have the answer for her, for so for us and our listeners, who did give you the nickname? Because I know your family called you Snook. Who who called you Fact Factor? Yeah, I think it was. Uh, I think it was either. John Michael Lyles or Paul Stass. Oh, what a great guy. It was, I think those guys, because uh, uh, Bill O'Reilly's TV show, The O'Reilly Factor, they started, that's just how it started, I guess, and they started calling me The Factor, and then 
Obviously, you got a hold of it. Just give this guy a hold of something, he'll turn it. Yeah, I think it was those guys. I think they, uh, yeah, those two way back. Uh, it was probably like my th- first or second year they started calling me the factor and then it just took off. Yeah, and then I was just like, I, and another thing I liked in Denver, anytime Factor would score, I'd be like, oh, oh, O'Reilly. <laughs> hey, every time he'd snipe in Denver, it was sick. Um, <laughs> did you see that missing? I sent Factor the missing curfew clip. Overtime that goal. Fucking stick on puck, Fact Daddy style. Best stick in the league. Yeah. You actually picked my pocket the one year at Calgary. You heard the, the, my D partner's like, hey, I'm going D to D behind the net. I'm like, Factor looks at me. He's like, Sorry, bud. But anyways, you hate for having to cut you off. Yeah, at the yeah. time I tried to pick his stick up, I high sticked him, <laughs> cut him, cut him for ten. Yeah, Factor has a little more stick control than you out there, fellow. Whoops. But man, Factor brought back good memories. I remember you you scored with four seconds left. The barn was actually rocking in Colorado that night for whatever reason, and I remember we had a few jamos after that. You were that first win. in the pile. Yeah, right. I was fired up. That was like, that was the video. Let's go. Where yeah. are we going, bud? I'll meet you at spill. <laughs> <laughs> Um, fact, like fact, was our usual, our usual play there. Fact, I wanted yeah. to ask you about, you know, when you were named captain, I was, you know, I met you when you were a young kid and I knew you had it in you and you've always been a leader throughout your career, but I was just, when they finally named you, I was just, I was so proud and happy for you. What, what did, what would it mean to you when you finally were named a captain of a team like the St. Louis Blues? Um, like it was like, it's an honor. Like you see the names that have obviously worn it before and like to, to be a part of that group is was special in its own sense but even like just like leaving the bubble last year I kind of you know there was some I guess we knew we we're gonna be missing some new like some veteran guys and I kind of I think over the summer I just kind of mentally kind of kind of had to make decisions it's like this is time for me to kind of get more involved and take on a role whether it's wearing a C or not but uh yeah, I knew I just had to start doing more and, you know, build, I guess, strong relationships with staff and players and get more engaged that way. And, um, yeah, when I got back to St. Louis, obviously, uh, Army Chief brought me in and told me. And, yeah, it's it's, it's cool. I think it's, like, I don't know, it's, it's one of those things you never really, you know, think will happen. You know, you're just kind of playing and trying trying to win and then something like that, to, just to be respected from the organization and, um the guys on the team too. Like it was, it, it's a pretty cool feeling, but uh, obviously a lot of work too, which is I think and a lot of growth too that has to come with it too. So it's, you know, I think it forces me to kind of really get out of my comfort zone and, and, you know, have tough, have tough conversations and, and things like that. So it's, it's a challenge, but it's, you know, it's a great challenge though. Yeah. Fact Eddie, I, I missed you by a year in St. Louis, but <clears throat> You were brought in for that exact role, bud. Um, yeah, and you probably you probably didn't know it right away, but uh, that group of guys in there needed, you know, another voice and a guy to come in and kind of help, you know, set some things, uh, you know, get some guys back on uh, on board. We had a year before uh, before I left. Before you came in, we had a year we didn't make the playoffs, and that was like our first time in eight years. Um, and we still had such a good team, and we were so close to winning. Um, and Army bringing you in, that trade will go down as one of his best trades ever and the, one of the best in St. Louis's history. But uh, I want you to touch on my boy Alex Steen and what you might have learned from him in your first year there. Because I, um, you know, I got to play with him for three years and I knew him my whole career. I didn't quite know who he was uh, as a teammate, but uh, as a human, as a teammate, as a dad, as a friend, he's like the ultimate guy. Is 
uh, does he not being in your room this year? Do you guys miss him? Um, you know, what, what's his role now, like going forward, but he's just a special, special man. Yeah. He's, you know, he's the guy that, you know, whenever I'm questioning something or thinking about what to do, I think, you know, what, what would Steiner do in this situation? And, um, coming in, obviously I hated playing against him, hated the guy because the way he competed, how hard he was and, and such. And then meeting him, it's, it, it's amazing all the things that he does that it, it's, and probably the stuff that we don't even know about. Exactly. But the way he takes care of every single person, um, like that was the first thing I noticed just talking to him, like anything I needed, anything my family needed. Um, he had someone, knew someone, or would could put me in contact with someone. Um, and that's just obviously away from the rink. And at the rink, just the way he competes, you know, there was never – he never took a shift off. Yeah. And whether it was scoring goals or just – you know, PK, like it, he, he did everything. And it was, I, I learned so much from him, just how to lead, you know, what to say at the right times, how to address things. And, um, and I'm still learning from him and still talk to him quite a bit. And the things that I don't know and kind of uncomfortable doing, he's the guy, you know, we reach out to. And it's unfortunate, like, you know, he's not around much because of COVID and, and because of just obviously, everything going on but it's it's tough it's tough not having around and i think it's tough for him as well because you know he you know he was one of the big main reasons this culture is what it is and why they were so good for so long and and us kind of leadership group that's something that you know we look at and we want to continue you know continue what he's built and other guys as well it's um but yeah there's you know it's not a bad thing to say about him you know he takes care of everyone and you know, anytime I have a question, you know, I go to, I go through him. It was always the best after a game. Like he, he'd be in the back of the plane, um, usually like on his computer or watch a movie, him and Staz used to sit next to each other. But every like other week he'd be like, I'm coming up to the, to the card table <laughs> and I would love it. Cause I'd get out the red wine and we would like sit there and it's Steiner just loves sitting like at the table, but it, he didn't want to do it full time. But every time you got him there, fuck his, his glasses would go on and his, his shirt would undo. And you're like, all right, we get Steiner here to, you know, he was, he's the man. So I know, I know that you were brought in to, to learn a little bit from him, fact daddy, and then take the team and bring it to another level. And it's exactly what you're doing. So I'm proud of you, bud, for that. Oh, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I'll actually, I met Steiner. I played against Steiner a lot, but I met him last year when we had dinner. Was it last year or two mm-hmm. years ago? Now, last year. and I, I right, mean, before I, the, right before things I think I down. talked to him only for about 15 minutes, but I could tell what you guys were talking about right away. I'm like, all right, I get it. This guy's fucking, he's legit. Imagine. So, uh, Broadway, what do you got for the fact daddy? Well, we, 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 as we know, O'Brien raves about you, but the one thing he always raves about is how hard you work. And uh, I just want to talk about what you do for the off-season workouts. I saw those clips during the playoffs that you're training. Is, is your dad the one training you? Yeah, I do a lot of work with him, but it's <clears> – <throat> with my dad, it's mainly uh, – like I kind of have, you know, I guess a program kind of developed, you know, for, for like lifting and, and certain stuff like that. With my dad, it's a lot more like hand-eye training and yeah. kind of working on like – I guess like the mental side of it. But uh, my dad, Coach Bry, he's uh, he's very different. A lot of his, his stuff and his big thing is obviously as I get older, is keeping my you know hand eye sharp and and all those things. So we get pretty creative with a lot of stuff. And 
Yeah, it's gonna. Because I was gonna say, it seems like your workouts are all based around balance. Like, are you a guy that's uh, lifting lots of weights, or are you kind of on like that TB12 type deal thing, taking care of the core and kind of focusing on that aspect of it? Yeah, the kind of yeah, as I kind of you know starting to get older, it's transition more, and it's not as much you know lifting. It's a lot more of yeah, like I said, the core staying flexible, um, and kind of with my dad, he's going to always push me in different ways, different directions to, to do different things. But, um, again, yeah, his stuff was a lot of stuff on balance beams. Um, you know, a lot of stuff with your breath, learning how to breathe properly and kind of lower your center of gravity and be in control at kind of all times. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's a lot of different stuff, but it's good. It's always, you know, it's always something new. Yeah. You know, the moment I get comfortable with something, he changes it, finds something away or asks me, how can we make this more difficult and such like that. But, um, you know, he's a huge reason why I think I've been able, my, my brother and I have been able to make a living from playing hockey just yeah. from you know, having him. Yeah. It's, it's really impressive stuff that you're doing. And I think that's what like, uh, Duncan Keith just touched on it to breathe. And I think that's an underrated thing for a lot of these players. And hopefully you see some guys starting to trend toward that way. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, the biggest thing about when you focus on your breathing, you're, this is what my dad taught me at a young age. When you focus on your breathing, you're automatically engaging yourself into what you're doing. You know, there's nothing more present than breath than your breath. So, you know, he that's something he always drilled into us, uh, you know, breathing through, breathing through a face-off, breathing through, you know, a shot, breathing in recovery, like all these things that, you know, constantly just training it, training it, which which helps. And, you know, as hockey players, sometimes you get caught in these things, you're just overthinking all the time, trying to think the game out where you know, when I'm playing my best, it comes from the way I engage, how intense I am just on each single battle, how, you know, you know, I'm playing and my ego is not attached to anything. It's all just kind of figuring it out as the challenges arise, you just attack them. And there's no kind of, you know, there's no thought involved. It's just engaging and, and playing from that. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty, pretty important thing that, you know, for myself is, you know, helped me so much. Yeah, you got to love Coach Bry. I remember Coach Bry, first time I met him, we had dinner at Fact Daddy in Denver there. He's like, when I say pink elephant, what do you think? And I'm like, fuck Coach Bry, I think pink elephant. He's like, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, hey, okay, I get it. I get what you're saying. It's all about mental, buddy. It's all about mental. Fact, yeah. fact Daddy, I do always talk about how hard you work, but I've kind of said this slogan for you. I don't know if you would agree with it or not, but I said the thing you can say about the Fact Daddy, all right, is he's, he will be the last guy at the bar. But he will also be the last guy off the fucking ice, the last guy out of the gym, and the last guy to leave the fucking building. So I was always like, I was older than you, but when I played with you in Denver that year, I remember times like leaving the bar and being like, and you're still on the ice doing your thing. I'm like, yo, fact, are we, we going to get lunch here? What the fuck's going on here? You're like, no, no. So I'm like, I'll see you at dinner time. So I remember Panger came on NHL Network with me and was talking about this year, you taking the power play guys out after practice and working on the power play. It's just something you've always had in you. In fact, daddy, you love being out there. You love doing the little things and you love the game. Yeah, no, I do. I think, um, yeah, I think with the game, you know, you, you realize that you can't, you can't play forever. And, you know, for myself, I want to, you know, squeeze the life out of it as long as I can and, and be there and have the biggest impact. And, and, you know, for, you know, training wise, again, it comes back to my dad, but, you know, he, he always said, uh, you know, the days you feel the worst are the days you just probably spend the most work. 
you should, you know, yeah. do the most things. So it kind of, you know, it's kind of like a rule kind of had to myself, you know, the harder I'm going to go off the ice, the, the harder I'm going to go on kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you were, and you were, and, man. Yeah, you we, were. we went pretty hard there for a bit. So hey, <laughs> it was the, on the ice a little extra hey, that year, that's for sure. But the, the, <laughs> the most hungover I ever was in my career, and there was a lot of fucking times I was hung cheese, and you'd think it was like a night out in New York or out in LA. No, no. One day, me and Fact Daddy, it was like a Sunday in Denver. And I text the fact that I'm like, yo, what are you doing, buddy? He's like, ah, just chilling. Like, you want to go grab one? Let's go grab one. And he's like, all right, we'll go grab one. So we go down and we're like, we sit down the first place on market. And I'm like, you want let's have a fucking JMO. So I fucking sure shit. We just started going to every place on fucking on Market Street, drinking straight Jameson. And the next day, I'm at the Pepsi Center and I'm doing the old two on two or whatever. And I got the one eye back, Daddy. And I was like, that that day just snuck up on the boys. Like I didn't even mean to get pinned, but we just that's started drinking you, a JMO. That's when you tell your D partner, do not pass me this puck. I'm all like, right. And, and boys, fact that you know I passed the puck hard, so boys were like trying to get payback at me. I'm like, boys, today's not the day. <laughs> Today is not the fucking day. Just slide them over nice and easy. Uh, fact well, Daddy, can I'm, you can you explain um, hockey now as a father of two? Like, and what the difference is than you know just showing up a little hungover maybe to practice, <laughs> but like you know now the challenges. I always thought like the guys who have kids at home and who, who can show up to the rink and give it their, their all and go home. I have a baby now too. So does Jimmy. Um, you know, some nights, the early morning, like some nights, the late nights, I, I was up at four forty-five this morning, like, you know, dealing with this and I'm like, Oh God, here we go. <laughs> but you know, so as a pro, what's the difference been? I always admired too, when the kids were on the glass and warmups, I thought it was the coolest thing. So I'm sure Jameson likes to come well used to and, you're when allowed. COVID, when you're allowed, but um, yeah, just just the challenges of being a father and and playing the game as as a, as a captain as a real pro. Yeah, it's like it's the coolest thing in the world. I think um, you know being a dad and Jameson and Declan and Jameson's like three now, but he like he he's starting to get it, and he you know, he's uh, you know we're lucky they get to come to the game, so he's been to a few and he's glued to it. He's watching and. You know, it's funny. He's talking to me about the game, and you know, he's telling me to score a goal and you know, don't pass to the white team. And like, he's getting to that age now where he's getting it. And it's yeah, so yeah. fun for me just to be able to have that interaction, and it's like, yeah, to to be able to share that with him. And you know, I hope I can keep playing, and you know, my boys can remember remember me playing and be able to be in the locker room again and and be around the guys. And it could be. You know, I think we've all played with guys that had that, and it's pretty, it's pretty special. But um, the coolest thing. you know, like training-wise, and like during the season, I find, you know, being a dad, you have to be way more efficient with the way you train. Like you don't get those, you don't get two, two hours, two, three hours. You know, you got to go home and be a dad, and so it's you kind of, yeah, you kind of grow up in a way, but you know, your time is used so much more wisely. There's not. A lot of wasting wasting time doing things you you go you get what you need you do what you have to do and then it's it's home to be in a dad which is so much fun and challenging at times but uh still it's yeah yeah you guys know it's yeah it's cool there's nothing like seeing coming home and seeing a little piece of you and them figuring life out it's 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 the best I had Uncle Obi over yesterday, actually. Yeah, I got a crush on Uppy's little <laughs> yeah. girl. This Came is, over. She, like, she, just, she just stares in Obi's <laughs> eyes. He holds her up. She's, you know, she's six foot four now, yeah, and she I mean, loves it. You know what? I feel like we're pretty tight. You know, we've been on two private planes together. We've been to Maui together. I feel me and Izzy, you know, we, yeah, got, yeah. we got a connection. She's right? living. We don't like flying commercial, me and Izzy, right? We like to fly <laughs> private. <laughs> and fuck, we like to go to Discovery Projects and drink for free, right, That's Izzy? True. But no, it's That's true. To Uppy, I mean, the fact that he 
but you're a great father. And obviously, when you when I first heard you're having Jameson, I'm like, what'd you name him? You're like Jameson. I'm like, fuck, what a name. Yeah. What a fucking name. Is right. like, I would have just never thought of that. But to see Uppy with his little girl, it's just like, it's pretty impressive. Because when Updog told me he was first having a kid, fact daddy, I was like, fuck off. Like, come on. But um, I couldn't imagine having them go to the rink with, with, with that kind of stuff and watching you play. It's it's the one thing that we missed yeah. out on Updog. So, totally. Yeah. Totally. Broadway, what do you got? Um, I just want to touch on a guy that you guys landed this season uh, with a huge signing in Tory Krug. Just kind of see what, what he's meant to the St. Louis Blues and. Uh, what are you guys expecting out of him, and what has he brought so far to the team, like in the locker room and whatnot? Oh, he's he's a huge addition. You know, obviously, like we lose Petro and got him, and you know, he's the thing he does on the ice. Like he's when he gets that puck, like the little plays he makes, and just how calm he is with it. Like you know, I think he gets it. I think everyone else relaxes too on the bench because you know a good place coming, and um, yeah, he's on the power play too, and obviously our numbers aren't great on the power play, but still like the threat that he is and just the way he distributes out there, the way he just reads guys and makes plays is unbelievable. And, you know, as a guy, like the boys, the boys love him. Like he's so yeah. funny. He's always joking around. He's having a good time. Uh, he's just like, yeah, he's a huge piece for us that, uh, yeah, puts us right back in, in contention. And once this COVID ends, you got to get him into uh, one of these bars. Cause he's, uh, I don't know if he's told you yet, but he's one of the best golden tea players around. Yeah, fucking golden team. It's actually like that's one of like the the toughest things about this, especially like our team, because I feel we got such a good group of guys, and like just like something like the other week, like Super Bowl, and guys can't do anything together, and girls can't do anything together. Where you know you got you go on the road, it's back to the hotel. You can't go for nice dinners, and like we haven't had a team party. It's tough. Like it's especially tough, I think, for the new guys. Like. We want to bring it in, and you know, I think the blue, you know, our group is a guy, a good group of guys, that likes to have, like to have fun and and throw a few back, and <laughs> we aren't really, we, we can't do it right now, so it's it, it's tough kind of navigating that, and because you know, it feels like it's like hockey twenty four seven. You don't get that escape where it's like, all right, we're going for a dinner here, to big team dinner here, and you just kind of get away from the game a bit more. It's like it's it's, it's a little frustrating. Right now to be able to have that. The boys are missing it. Jimmy, those free dinners, those free dinners that the boys like Fact Daddy take you out for every Wednesday oh, night the on the road, eh? I just, you're I, like, shit, can't go for any, like, I, fuck, I can't imagine. get the nice wine, I steaks. can't imagine playing on your boy's squad and landing somewhere fucking like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> go to the hotel room. No, fuck. I would be like, and I think Factor, you bring it up, and seriously, like, when things are going well, I guess it's okay, but I just feel bad for guys that if things aren't going well this year, and we had Big Earn on last week who battled some mental stuff, and it's got to be tough for these guys if to get away from the game at times, eh, Fact Daddy? Yeah, it's just, yeah, like you said, like, we finish the game and we go back and TV's on and just, like, watching highlights. Guys just talking about hockey constantly. And, you know, that's fine at times, but, you know, a couple of these, like, you know, we have some tough losses and, you know, it's a perfect time for us to, you know, go hit the town, throw a few back and let go of kind of everything and just come closer as a group. Well, you don't, you don't really get that. And it's, it's, it's tough. Like, it's just, you know, guys need it. We need that escape. We need to, you know, have that kind of glue and just do something else besides just kind of watch video and, and all that stuff. So it's, it's a challenge, but you know, it is what it is. I think we're also lucky to be playing right now and and have a job and making money where a lot of people aren't. So it is what it is, but yeah, it's, it's a challenge for sure. No, that's, that's a great point. Fact, daddy. And, 
everyone's feeling the squeeze. For you guys to go out there and, and fuck, we love it too here at Mr. Curfew because we love watching you guys play and we love your team. We, we put me and the updog put a little cash on you guys at the start of the season to win the mug. So there's, I got two reasons, the fact daddy and I got a little cheddar on it, but I, lo- <laughs> I, I love your team. I love your size. I love your back end. I think Falk's played great for you offensively. I think Paranko, once he gets his offensive thing going, I think your back end's real good. I want to ask you about 91 Tarasenko coming back because the one thing about your squad maybe is scoring goals. I think playoff hockey's different, but what are you expecting when he comes back? Are you excited? Are you looking forward to getting 91 back? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you could tell. Just he's... He's one of the few guys in the NHL that can actually like make something out of nothing. You know, he's a guy that like when you need that spark, you need that break. He's that guy that just you know gets a step on a guy and like just snapper. It's in the back of the net and it just changes the whole game. Like he just it, and not only does he score, but like just his presence too. Like the teams, the way they play him, they know that you can't give him an inch. Like you can't give him a shot because it's you know he's gonna bury it. So it's. I think we're really excited to have him back. And again, it's just, we're, we're that much better. Like our team, like there's no, you know, we're healthy. There's, there's no holes in our lineup. You know, we will take anyone on and have a good chance. So to get him back is, uh, you know, we're excited for it. He just, he brings so much for us. How's he looking fact daddy? Is he, is he close to like contact? Is he, He's is close, he right? I actually haven't been on like with this schedule. I've like probably barely practiced. We've been like, <laughs> so I haven't been on. Uh, I know he, he just started back with a few guys. Um, this past, he was on the road with us and skating with a few guys. Yeah, but I was saying, I was saying, he looks good. He looks real good. And again, he's, he's sniping. So it's, uh, yeah, we're excited. No practice. Like I like the sound. St. I like Louis the, here, boys, coming up. <laughs> I like the sound. I like the sounds of no practice time. I you sure say. do. <laughs> But you can't do anything, so I guess. Um, fact, Daddy, we got to yeah. ask you about this guy. You know him, Larry Flowers, because of the updog. <laughs> so we had Flowers come on, and about this fucking Stanley Cup shit. We got to get you. I got to get your opinion on it. Well, it was it was just too much, was it not? Or what, were your, <laughs> what were your thoughts on this fucking pigeon, Larry Flowers? I mean, he was up on the fucking stage with you boys. Oh, it was it was hilarious. I was kind of more like the last guys to arrive to the stage, and I come up, and then like just like look at the boys, and then. I just see Larry. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious, but you know, he, like boys love him. Like he's he's the best, you know. And, uh, it was it was funny. I think our, uh, I think Army was a little shocked too. He saw, yeah, Bob, totally. especially too. Like it's so funny. He's got the picture of him holding the mug, like over the whole <laughs> the whole city of St. Louis. Like I, it's it's hilarious. It's like an unbelievable story. Army's but, looking uh, at the guys like who who the fuck yeah, is this I guy again? I didn't sign this fucking. guy. I didn't sign this fucking guy. Oh, that's I, great. I remember the whole thing was going on, and he was I was giving him a hard time, and then he'd say something. I'd be like, Factor doesn't even know your name, probably Flowers. And I'm like, Factor <laughs> doesn't even know your name. And then at the end, he sent me a picture of you and him in the room with the Stanley Cup, just to put a little more salt in my wound. But um, we got to bring loved, up the fantasy too. Yeah, so fantasy factor. We got to talk fantasy football last year, Factor. When I'm in Switzerland and you were you were still over here leading the charge. Go go okay, go ahead. I'll, I'll tee it up. So fa- so fucking Larry Flowers thinks you threw. The last week of fantasy football and dressed Drew Brees instead of or some the whatever quarterback. Oh, I put in. I think I put it was Allen, Josh Allen. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Josh, Josh Allen, Allen who Drew absolutely Brees. fucks. We we yeah. had I won so much no. money on Josh Allen this year. But yeah, I'm a Bills fan too, and I put I think I put Allen in. Perfect. I don't. So you know what? Yeah, but there's not even a fucking debate. So, anyways, the flowers is dumb dumb. I'm like, first so, of all, 
fucking Ryan O'Reilly would not throw a fantasy fucking football game. And like, he's not, there's not a method behind his madness. And you just told us what the fucking reasoning was. So we can finally put it to bed. Yeah. So I played him in the last week yeah, and, he and I needed to win to get in or something. And fact that he was already leading the, leading the league. Yeah. So anyway, he does what he does to his, to his team. And I'm like, fuck, I got to get in here. So I, I line up my team. I get in flowers who still got into the playoffs was upset that had I had you not t- taken out Drew Brees, I guess I would not have gotten in, and then fucking I end up going and winning the whole thing. Yeah. Shockingly. So so fact that he still hasn't paid, he still hasn't, <laughs> yes. he still hasn't paid, and the reason I brought it up is because of that reason alone. He hasn't paid, and he blamed. He thought that you and Uppy had a little side deal going on that you threw in Josh Allen to fucking fuck up the whole pool. I'm like <laughs> the fact that he wouldn't do that. So flowers, we heard it from the factor. Pay your fucking bet. He still owes a thousand bucks ups. Yeah, he sure does. We'll get it off him this weekend. Yeah, perfect. So, yeah. Broadway, what do you got for Factor? We had to clear that up, Factor. I appreciate it. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I was just going to go back uh, a little bit when touch on. When you were first drafted in the second round, I think you were the only guy uh, to play in the league that year, not from the first round. What like, what was your thought process going into camp? Uh, like, you're obviously trying to make the team, but were you expecting to be there? And what was, like, conversations you had with management? Um. <laughs> Yeah, like uh, the whole draft, I was kind of um, – I remember my agent kind of said, I think Florida was interested, and they picked up like 14, 15 or something like that. So I kind of – I was kind of expecting, like I was hoping – expecting going the first round. Ended up sliding, nothing happened, and then it was gone quickly the next day. Um, it just it, – honestly, it was one of those things where I think the, the stars aligned. Like I was lucky that I was going to Colorado, who was rebuilding um, – yeah, like they were just in a, in a complete rebuild. And I just came in and, you know, I just, you know, I thought, I, you know, I didn't think about kind of coming and make the team. I was just like, I'm just going to work and see what happens. Yeah. And I think, you know, my agent said this, you know, you'll have a good, good look. They'll give you a good chance. And, and I remember the feedback the first couple of days just uh, from like a couple of coaches, just, you know, keep working. Like there's interest in you. And I just kept grinding, just tried to play preseason games, tried to play regular season games. And then eventually it was pretty cool. Uh, they finally said like, yeah, you're going to stick around. You're going to play the year here. And <laughs> I, I moved in with uh, Darcy Tucker, which was just pretty cool being, being a, you know, a Toronto kid, you know, he's an absolute legend. And, you know, I don't think I said a word to him for the first like three months. <laughs> I was so like scared of him and to try not to make eye contact with him, but obviously he's a great friend now. And, um, living with him was was so cool. Just that you know what it's like that whole first year in the NHL. Like it just yeah. it's it's the coolest thing in the world to, to be there. And it's uh, yeah, it was, it was you know I got very lucky. Got very lucky about a rebuilding team. And yeah, fact that I want to ask you because when the when the schedule came out, I was like, fuck, they're only playing their own division. I didn't even know you guys were in the West to start off. Up, you had to tell me. But how is it? I know you guys just played Arizona seven straight. We don't need to talk about that. I'm sure you're over that. But how is it? What's the mentality of playing these teams over and over again? Is it more of a playoff feel, or, or what's going on in the dressing room with with the boys? Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, obviously we just finished against the Coyotes seven games, and it's like it, it's not it's not a playoff feel, but still, when you keep playing the same guys, you know, someone has a bad hit or says something like you, you play him again that next night, it does get a little heated and yeah, it is. It's the games are a bit stingier, you know, it's not uh, you know, you don't have the quick reset. Okay. We're playing someone new and you go from there. It's just, it's, it, it is different. I feel like the, the second games are always, you know, a little tighter defensively, you know, guys are playing a little safer. It's, 
yeah, it, it's not a normal regular season, but again, kind of with the whole COVID thing, it, it, it is what it is and it's what we have to do. But um, yeah, it's not like the regular season, which, you know, I think is a lot nicer. You get to see everyone and yeah. it's a little bit, yeah, it's just better that way, but it is what it is. You got anything else for him? We, we're, we're, I would just love, in fact, Daddy, a uh, story that goes back to, to uh, uh, a couple years ago in the finals. Jimmy brought this up. Uh, when you were you in Boston, I believe, and you went and grabbed, you know, you, he, he likes to go to guitar yeah, centers, yeah. right? No, yeah. So, on the okay, road. yeah. So, when me, when me and Fact Daddy played together, first of all, I don't think we're bad teammates, right? But we, there was nights we wanted to go have, I'm like, Fact Daddy, I got dinner set up. We're going to go have dinner. You know, let's just keep it low key or whatever. I'm like, yeah. He's like, cool. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm going to go to the guitar shop. So, every, Pretty much every city, eh, Fact Daddy? You would go check out the guitar store and snap it around a little bit. Yeah, like, uh, well, sometimes I travel with a little little guitar or something, but... Yeah, the ukulele. Uh, tri- trips, I wouldn't, <laughs> trips I wouldn't bring on my... Uh, yeah, if there's a guitar center close or a guitar store, it's kind of cool to go check out guitars, mess around a bit. It's a nice, uh, again, you know, kind of talk about getting those escapes. Like, it's a nice way just to kind of, you know, not think about hockey and just go mess around. So I try to do it uh, as much as possible as much as possible, you know? Yeah, it was great. Fact that the, the year he came in, uh, when he was holding out and got his deal, he came in and we were fucking terrible in Denver. So after we would play cards and, you know, after like the first hour or whatever, you're like, all right, boys, we're over the loss. I'm like, Factor, pull out that ukulele, play some Charlie Boy from the Lumineers. So Factor, <laughs> we sit behind the poker table, just play Lumineers, taking requests from the boys. So um, it was always, it was always nice to good way to get away. Like we talked about Ottawa having a tough year and you somehow got to get away from the game. Yeah. Like after an hour of sulking, all right, boys, let's, yeah, yeah. let's get over it. And in fact, Daddy pulled the ukulele and started strumming it. So it was always pretty cool. Up Vancouver there. too. I think we talked about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can we get a request though? Do you got the six string near you? What do you got? I know you always got one within arm's distance. I got, I got if you don't here. have a hockey got, stick, and hanging here, he's, either, he's, either, he's either got a hockey stick or a guitar, here. or a jam, or a a jam. Blood on there too from uh, like a good night of strumming. <laughs> um, I'm working on. Uh, remember at my uh, was there at my cup party? Yeah, uh, Dallas Green. He played. Uh, he played Bob oh. Cajun. City and color. Hip and awesome. Remember, everyone was just like jaws dropped. It was it was unbelievable. But um, I've been trying, yeah, trying to work on that. I haven't been playing much since having. Can you strum Bob kids, Cajun a little bit? Can you strum kids Bob Cajun? Kids suck it out of you. Can you, str- can you strum Bob Cajun right now for a little bit? You think? Or? Yeah, I can. Give me a little taste. I love that fucking. Right. <laughs> Give me a taste of that, fuck, daddy. and curfew first i would uh i would sing but oh, i've been hey. singing in a while so <laughs> yeah. bad, that was a missing curfew out. first fact song. daddy no, that was and oh, speaking of this awesome. cup party me and the big guy we fly in for it and the fact daddy i'll give this guy you fucking met everybody in your hometown you, you shook hands you did all the right thing you showed up to the actual party in the helicopter which was a national league move <laughs> and then Fuck, he's got all the hardware. He's got the fucking Stanley Cup, the Con Smite, the Western Conference. Fuck, you won the Celtic or something, didn't you, Lady Bing too? You had fucking more hardware there. I was gonna, I was gonna steal one for the night. <laughs> factor, I'll take, I'm taking the Lady Bing for the night. Thanks, fella. But then he got up there and played his guitar. I was like, fuck, this is this is next level. So it was. I appreciate the invite. That was a fun Stanley Cup party, fact, Daddy. Yeah, it was nice. We uh, we we drank some nice stuff out of that mug too, which was, which was pretty good. Fuck. So yeah. So I chirp Larry Flowers, but anyways. So I bring the the. I actually only brought a bottle of black label, but somebody gave Fact Daddy a bottle of blue label. So Fact Daddy pulls us back in the back room. He's like, "Come here, boys. Bring the cup back here." 
I'm like, yeah. He's like, opens up the blue label, puts it in the mug. I'm like, fuck it. I'm having a sip of that fat daddy. I'm like, let me go. And boom, it tasted so good coming out of that thing. It was, it was a good night. Yeah, it was. I, I got to uh, jump on the jump on the Vegas train with you guys to go down and say hi to you and congratulate you all in the cup party. Um, that was pretty special for me. But yep, you've done a hell of a job in St. Louis, brother. And uh, from missing curfew here, we thanks for thanks for coming on and sharing some stories and laughs with the boys. It's been a long, yeah. a long awaited time, but uh, yeah, you're a legend, pal. Yeah, fact, daddy, thank you, buddy. We love you. Um, fuck, go get that mug. We want you for it. And we got some, we got some scratch on it too. So go out there, get that mug. And buddy, whenever we can go to a live concert, fuck, I hope it's sooner or later. Let's make that happen, fella, and have a couple JMOs. Yeah, <laughs> I, I appreciate it, boys. Uh, yeah, hopefully, I can get to the studio with you at some point too. But uh, well, I love what you guys are doing. It's awesome. Boys love it. Feedback's great. So. Appreciate you having me on. All right, Fact Daddy. Stay healthy. Good luck. Say hi to the family for me, buddy. You're the man. Later, bro. All right. Thanks, Thanks for coming on. My pleasure, boys. Up dog, the Fact Daddy. Um, pulled out the six string for the boys. That's a missing curfew first. Guy's a legend. Um, you know, like you said, his first Bonnaroo is the first time you kind of got to know, know him and you built a great friendship with him and just just ultimate guy. Good pro and fuck, the, the Blues got a good one there. Totally, man. Uh, I said what I mean. Uh, I said what I meant when I when I brought up um, Army bringing him in, and that his job was to uh, help this team get to the next level, which he did, and then take on the team as a leader. Because I don't think um, there obviously there was going to be changes in the organization, and you know someone was going to have to step up and take you know the role of of Petro and and Steen and David Backus, who was there forever, and uh, these guys who who kind of you know set the uh, set the culture. Um, in fact, daddy came in and, and did just that. So I'll always remember this thing too. When I got to Vegas, I flew in after winning the Balboa championship, by the way, with, with our boy Stewie, uh, I'm like, Stewie, sorry, I, go. I got invited and I was going to go win or lose, but the blues always go to Vegas. And now that they got the cup, I'm not going to go in and you know ruin the parade of their party, but I'd like to go see him and congratulate them all. I still feel really close to the team and blah, blah, blah. And, um, fact daddy pulled me over and was like, you know, this group of guys in here, you, you were such a big part of the culture. And I just want to let you know, like, I didn't play with you here, but the feedback I got from all your teammates on what you were able to do, um, as a leader to all these younger guys here who really like got to another level and won the Stanley cup with together, you know, that'll always go down as you, you being a big part of this team. So that meant, sure. that meant a lot to hear fact yeah. daddy say that to me. And, and then obviously dancing around Bonnaroo with him is always a, always a, fucking number one <laughs> <laughs> remember those fucking shorts you wore the first the day of shorts and the I go, fact daddy, those shorts are gonna fucking there'll be a little chafy after day two of you went no undies too <laughs> thank god I, he had no gitch i bought thank god i had extra lululemon like fucking long shorts for him to wear underneath his fucking flowers Je jean I mean, shorts ball balls hanging out yeah <laughs> and and like almost like a dress shoe like a john varvados like shoe with just the little tiny sock i'm like you fucking crazy bro I but mean, he rocks he it. rocks and he looked like he could have been performing up on he did I perform mean, yeah he was a beauty what what do you think about the fact, Daddy Broadway? I'm going to talk about a guy that's got it all. I mean, he's a Stanley Cup champ, good-looking guy, can play the guitar, NHL All-Star. You know, he's just like – he's been a leader his whole career, and it's just uh, – it's awesome to see a guy like that be able to have the career he has, and he's done it the right way, and he's uh, a guy that's loved in his locker room from what I hear. Yeah, and for me, when I first met him, and, you know, he was such a big part of our team at such a young age in Colorado, and he was – he was a quiet guy in the dressing room. And I remember going, and he led by example and how he worked and the way he played. And I remember, you know, going for drinks after dinner and be like, fuck, fact, you're like, 
you know, you can say more in the dressing room. Like, you're a big part of this team. And he was just like, ah, Obes, it's, you know, I'm not there yet. And to see him grow into the role now and be a captain, I knew he had it in him, but it's one of those things, up dog, that's it's never easy. You know, you got to work at it. And he's done that. And now he's one of the best leaders in the league. He sure is. And, um, you know, I say that great family guy, great friend. Um, and I asked him about Alex Steen, but I could tell, like, Steen's rubbed off on all these you know, teammates and friends that he's had. And yeah. I'm, I'm glad that, you know, fact daddy got a chance to, to play with him. Cause it's awesome. Yeah. So but thank you factor to the blues organization. We're pulling for you here. We're fancy at missing curfew. And we got a little scratch on it. Like I said, up dog, Hey, fucking right. Place. <laughs> um, boys, we're going to, Bro- we're going to Tahoe. Broadway's flying in Thursday. We will be in Tahoe Thursday night, Friday morning. We will be doing stuff up dog. We'll let our listeners know, right. We're going to be doing some yeah, live fuck. stuff. But we will be missing curfew. We'll be in Lake Tahoe for these two games. We're so. going to try to do some live Instagram, some uh, you know, some live content that just uh, will be accessible as soon as we get it complete and edited. We got Max and and our boy Al Hall coming with us, so uh, should be fun. We're excited. The NHL has done an incredible job of getting this event together fast. And I just want to, I just want to say this before. Say it. I think I was the one talking about the NHL should be fucking playing up in the middle of the mountain somewhere <laughs> with just a rink and fucking flying these guys in just yeah. to play. It Mystery doesn't, it doesn't need, yeah, it doesn't need to be, <laughs> I was saying it fucking a year ago and I want, I want to know if I, if you remember me saying it on here remember. or not, but I do remember it. this is epic. This is going to be so cool. It's an outdoor rink right on the fucking Edgewood golf club, like right next to the 18th green where they play the celebrity classic, that AT&T thing. Yeah. And uh, fuck it. I yeah. don't know if it's AT&T, but anyway, no, it's, it's um, going to be sick. I, it's not the AT&T, but I know it's the, the one, one with, that, with Steph Curry and Romo yeah. and all these Rodgers play. Fuck Pavelski it. almost won it yeah. one year. JR yeah. plays in it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a great idea. You did call it. You're like, fuck, through the COVID, why don't they play outdoor yeah. games? So. Get the setting, the backdrop. It could, could be anywhere. But this is going to be this is gonna be special, and we're, we're pumped. Uh, I might... I might bring the skis. I don't know. I might. I don't know. I might. I might go full Dumb and Dumber up on this uh, up on this mountain. <laughs> I'm gonna leave the ski cut stuff at home. But um, if you do, that would be that would be great content for the boys. Uh, Broadway, we're finally gonna get you out here with us, and we're gonna Can't get a little wait, studio boys. time next time. Um, are you gonna fall off the wagon, or what, what? What's my role? Do I have to keep the booze away from what? What? what how should I play this this weekend? Because I'm I'm coming off the cleanse Thursday, and I'm going full tilt in Tahoe Broadway. No, Broadway will be on the wagon, but you guys do you. I love being around the atmosphere. <laughs> I haven't been around in a while, so I'll be I'll be sitting there with you guys, cheering some laughs. Yeah, no, seriously, Broadway, we're excited for you to come out here. You've worked so hard yep. for us, uh, and it's been tough on the East Coast for you, I know. So we're looking forward to it. Our listeners, if you're going to Tahoe, hit us up and Missing Curfew. Uh, we're going to try to do some kind of watch party, maybe. We're not sure, but... Um, boys, another great week. Fact Daddy O'Reilly, thank you. Updog, you're the man. Broadway, travel safe. Lake Tahoe, here we come. <laughs>